Today, listeners, we have Shana Olivieta, the founder of Espresso English, on our show. Shana went from teaching English abroad to creating a full-on digital business that kept her living overseas without being limited by annual English teaching contracts. She started this business with a laptop, fifteen hundred U.S. dollars, and has continued to grow the business over time into what it is today. Espresso English sells info products, teaching English as a second language online. Today, we are going to talk about Shana's email marketing strategy, content production, hitting a glass ceiling in her business, and pre-selling info products. Towards the end of the episode, Shana and I jump into a conversation about feeling like an entrepreneurial fraud. This is something that happens to many entrepreneurs sooner or later. We don't feel like we hit a certain level of success in a certain time period, and Shana gives some great tips on how to get out of that mentality and keep your business moving forward. And with that, let's welcome Shana to the show. How you doing, Shana? Hey, Chris. I'm good. Where are you calling in from today? Uh, my temporary home in Connecticut in the U.S. But normally you're based in Brazil, correct? I was based in Brazil for a number of years, but looking to shift my home base to the U.S., so kind of in transition. Okay, Shana, we're going to dive into your story as an entrepreneur, starting off as an English teacher in Brazil, and we'll just let you have the mic. Share with us, please. Back in 2012, I was teaching English locally in Brazil in group classes and also in private lessons, and I loved the teaching, but I didn't love the low pay and the restricted schedule. So there was almost no time to travel. I would have early morning classes and late night classes, and I felt kind of trapped by um, the schedule, the the salary, which was not great, and. The last straw was when the police went on strike in Salvador, which is the city where I was living. And because of the police strike, all of my classes were canceled due to safety concerns. And that meant I didn't get paid for like three weeks because there were no classes. Mm. And I thought that I can't, I can't have this. I've got to create an income for myself online. And so that's what got me interested in starting an online business, um, so in the beginning, all I did was I posted my English lessons, which I was already preparing uh, for the classroom. I would just post them online. So I guess I started with blogging. And over time, I built up a following. And then I was eventually able to sell uh, online courses and ebooks to my followers. And that's what has grown into the business I have today. Now, Shano, that moment when you decided you needed to create something online, why did you choose creating some type of income online as opposed to just starting another type of business in a physical location? Well, part of the idea actually came from a couple of my students at the time. Uh, I noticed that a lot of my classroom students couldn't always get to class, either because of work commitments or traffic jams, right? Just, you know, unavoidable, these unavoidable delays that sometimes happen in Brazil. And uh, two of my students came to me, they were both uh, working mothers, and they just had a lot on their plates. And they said, Shana, we really want to improve our English, but we can't always make it to class. Can you just send us short lessons by email, and I'll just read them on my lunch break. And so, I said, yeah, I can do that. And it kind of sparked the idea that there might be more students who would be interested in learning English uh, online. And so that's how I got going. Excellent. Did you start the quote unquote blog as Espresso English or did that come later? Yeah, I started 
at Espresso English, mm-hmm. and I would just post um, almost daily in the beginning. Since I had offline classes every day, I would just take whatever I was talking about in class that day and write up a short post and throw it up onto the website. And tell us about the growth of your business when you first started out, and then when did it actually kind of take off for you? Well, it definitely started really slow. Mm-hmm. Um Content marketing is a long-term strategy, and so in the beginning, I mean, it was just a couple of dozen visitors, uh, just my own students mainly, who I was giving the website to as a supplement to their classes, and uh, over six to nine months, I would say, I saw the traffic slowly start to pick up. This is six to nine months of pretty continuous blogging. And eventually, I started drawing some organic traffic from Google and some visitors who were not my students. But it definitely took a while to ramp up. And there hasn't really been any takeoff moments. It's just been kind of slow, steady growth over the past five years. Okay. And did you start out with any students in your warm network or from classes before you started to pick up other students from just finding you online? Just a couple. I mean, just a handful of people who I would give the website to and say, hey, if you want to review what we learned in class or um, just get a refresher on some of these grammar topics, I posted something on my site, but it was uh, very few because my classes were small, you know, language classes, they're best when they're tiny. And so my groups were normally three to eight students. So I didn't have a huge network to get the word out. Um, I mainly relied on eventually picking up some of that uh, traffic through organic content marketing. And those six to nine months when you first started out, Shana, what kept you motivated? I'm not sure. I mean, (laughs) there was a lot of doubt. Uh, I had a lot of concerns about what if I'm pouring all my time and effort into this and it's not actually going to go anywhere. And um, I think the only thing that kept me going was the fact that the alternative was worse. The alternative (laughs) being uh, staying in the classroom and being paid like $4 an hour for the rest of my life and having no... uh, no travel, no paid vacation, no maternity leave, no room for advancement. Um, And I thought, well, that's obviously not sustainable. So I've got to do something. And so yeah, that was what kept me going, because I thought I have to try and make this work. Uh, Otherwise, I'm I'm not going to be too happy. I love how you think the regular job is not sustainable and that building something online is something that would be more sustainable. So how long did it take you, Shana, until you were ready to stop working or stop teaching at the actual school and where you moved everything to just focusing on the business online? Great question. About eight months in, Mm -hmm. I launched my first uh, paid product. So what I did was I told um, my followers at Espresso English, I had a small email list by this point. I said, I'm going to give a course on travel English. So how to get through the airport, how to make a reservation at a hotel, that type of thing. And it's going to be 30 days. It's going to be $30. And here's where you can sign up and pay. And I'll deliver the lessons uh, in the month of August, one lesson per day for 30 days. So I pre-sold it. And about 18 students signed up and paid. And now you can do the math, you know, 18 times 30, it's not a huge amount of money. But it was more than what I was making at my offline teaching job. And that's kind of the moment where I realized, okay, this isn't huge yet, but it has potential. And so I gave notice at the 
English school that I wouldn't be back next semester. I did have another income stream from some online work I was doing for a client in the US. So I didn't completely take the leap, but I did get rid of my classroom hours, which freed up a lot of time for me to be able to work on the online stuff. And did you find, Shana, that your students online were coming mainly from Brazil or were they coming from all over the world? In the beginning, a big chunk of them were from Brazil, but as it's grown, it's gotten a lot more diverse. And actually, nowadays, a good number of my students are inside the U.S. So that means they're immigrants or they're spouses of Americans or they're here for grad school or or work or whatever. And so they are really highly motivated to improve their English. Sometimes there aren't any local English as a second language classes. And so online is the only option they have or the best one maybe that works with their schedule. So how many students would you say you have now? Well, uh, if you look at the number of people who follow my free tips, which I publish by email and on YouTube, um, that's over 100,000. And then the paying students who buy a course is is a lot smaller than that. I've had about probably about 5,000 students lifetime paying customers. Okay. And are you do you have a team now or are you still running Espresso English on your own? I'm still solo, and I just hire out um, freelancers on a project basis. For example, if I need someone to edit a bunch of audio, I've got someone who I can hire just temporarily for that. Or if I need uh, another voice in a voiceover, then I'll get a voiceover artist um, to help with that. But I don't have anybody long term. It's still just me. And where do you see yourself with Espresso English in the next, say, five to ten years? Hmm. Well, I think that the site still has a lot of room to grow. Um, there are millions of people trying to learn English, and uh, I think I'm, I'm not done yet with the growth. Uh, the main question for me is whether or not I'm going to continue to create new products, because at this point, I have about 12 courses or ebooks, and I'm kind of at a point where I'm not sure I want to keep proliferating the number of courses because it will actually get confusing for the customers. So I'm still trying to think of a way that I can produce new material without um, creating too many options, if you know what I mean. I do have a podcast for Espresso English, um, but it's mainly I've been taking my best of, kind of the best of the lessons and recording them. uh, So I haven't been producing anything new specifically for the podcast. Let's dive into some optimizing traffic and list conversions. I know you mentioned that you had some tips that you would like to share. Yeah. So uh, if you're going to sell an info product, it's all about getting traffic to your site, uh, getting people to opt into your email list, and then getting those email list subscribers to to know, like, and trust you. Uh, So you build that relationship, and then they're more likely to buy from you. So I've always been working on optimizing this whole process. The first big thing I did was I switched my opt-in bribe. So when people sign up for my email list, in the past, I had been giving them a free grammar book. And that converted okay, you know, people wanted it. But I switched it out to a free phrase book. 
So it's a phrase book like you might buy for traveling, um, mm-hmm. common phrases to use in daily life. And I saw a big bump in opt-ins, a higher conversion rate. So it was clear to me that that offer was resonating a lot more um, with people who are coming to the site. So it was a very simple thing to do, uh, but it uh, bore a lot of fruit in terms of more email opt-ins. That was kind of uh, step one of, uh, of optimizing. Another thing I've done is in every single one of my emails, I make it half and half, half providing free value and half promotional. Uh, so a lot of people struggle with the line between providing stuff for free and selling and how do you sell without being pushy or salesy. And I've found that this half and half approach works really well because it means every email has something of value. So every email has a free lesson that the person can learn from. And then if they want to go further, then they it also has the opportunity for them to buy one of the products. So I might send an email about 10 phrases you can use in a business meeting. And then the associated promotion is if you'd like to really go further in making your English more professional, buy my business English course. And it just strikes a great balance. Um, people seem to appreciate having having the free plus the opportunity to go further with the paid product. And it, it makes me feel good about the way I'm selling as well, because I know I'm providing a lot of free value. And I'm just inviting people, whoever wants to go further can do that with the paid courses. Oh, I like it. We were talking earlier about entrepreneurs reaching a glass ceiling in their business and then how do they scale up and increase their revenue and I know this is something that you have been challenged with so do you mind sharing some of the things that you've done to take the business to the next level so if you come back to uh, first of all you know just a lot of times when we're frustrated because our business doesn't seem to be growing Uh, come back to those principles about how there are only really three ways to grow a business. You can either um, get more customers, you can get your customers to pay higher prices, or you can get your customers to buy more frequently. And so I think any business owner who's facing some sort of plateau or feel like they they can't grow, you really got to look at those three areas and think about, okay, what in my business could be improved in these three areas? A lot of people, their default is to go to more customers, but that's not always the... um, that's not always the best strategy. So the approach I've taken is I do a lot to cultivate repeat purchases. So after someone buys one of my courses, they get a login and so they can log in and take their course. But inside that logged in area, they can buy additional courses with one click um, and have them added to their account. So I've seen a, a marked increase in repeat purchases or uh, customers buying multiple things. And so that has grown my business quite a bit. And I also have an email marketing strategy where after someone buys, let's say they bought the pronunciation course, 30 days later, they automatically get an email saying, hey, how are you doing with the pronunciation course? I hope you've been enjoying it. Uh, If you'd like to go further, how about buying the speaking course. And so that, again, it encourages another purchase from someone who they're already a customer, you know, they already like my business. And so it's, it's, they're a lot warmer um, when it comes to buying more. And so I've definitely seen that grow my business. Have you ever seen a resistance or a a quote unquote glass ceiling with the upsells or the additional buy more offers? Not so much. Um, I don't know. I, a lot of people, since I do have 12 products, and since they're part of um, 
kind of learning a language, you need to know all the areas. So you can't just study speaking and not study listening or study vocabulary but not study grammar. You need it all, right? right. So um, just because of that, a lot of people are motivated to buy multiple products from me. If someone is in a niche that where that's not the case, then oftentimes the best way to develop new products is to get those ideas from your audience and from your previous customers. So uh, surveying people and talking to people, maybe getting on the phone or having correspondence by email and finding out what are some other unmet needs that people have, you can maybe create some new offerings to meet those needs and people will start buying more from you. What are some ways that you've used to kind of get in the mind of your customers to see what else they want and what they need? Definitely. Uh, the first email, my autoresponder, uh, asks the person, it welcomes them to to Espresso English, and it also asks them to hit reply and let me know what they're struggling with in English. What's their biggest difficulty? And so that helps me keep my finger on the pulse of, uh, of my audience. And when I was going to do my second course after Travel English, I actually surveyed my audience and I gave them three options. Hey guys, would you like the next course to be about business English, idioms, or phrasal verbs? The interesting thing about this is it surprised me. I was sure that people were going to go for idioms, idiomatic expressions, but the overwhelming consensus was business English. So that kind of shows that sometimes what we as product creators are thinking our audience needs aren't actually what the audience is telling you they need. So that's why it's really important to talk to people and get that feedback. And Shana, is there anything else that you would like to add about your email marketing strategies? Just that I, I love the fact that it's very, for me, it's very hands-off at the moment. So after I set up my autoresponder, I basically took my best posts, the most popular lessons, and I turned those into my email autoresponder. So after that's set up, it essentially does the marketing and sales for me. So I don't have to get on the phone with people. I don't have to um, try to convince people to buy. It's a nice, it frees my time up to do things that I like better, like creating content and um, interacting with people by email, answering their questions. So I love the fact that this combination of content marketing plus email marketing results in a business that's fairly automated once you're able to get it going. Because again, it does take a while to build up the audience. What type of autoresponder are you using? I use MailChimp. There are a number of tools out there that can do this. Uh, but, you know, the autoresponder functionality, it doesn't have to be complicated. I just set it to send basically a new message every four days. And um, every year, I kind of take a look at the autoresponder and I'll see if there are any messages that are underperforming, people aren't opening, and then maybe I'll tweak the title or switch out that that email with a different topic to kind of keep it uh, interesting for people, make sure I'm sending folks stuff that they actually want to read. Shana, these days, how often are you producing content? Well, my standard is once a week, which is very doable since my lessons are quite short. And that also lets me batch the content production. So let's say I know I'm going to be traveling for the next two months and I'm not sure I'm going to have a ton of time. I can very easily just take two days and quickly produce eight pieces of content and schedule them all to be published, you know, week by week. And then I can take two months off from content production. So that's what I love about um, 
the rhythm of doing weekly and batching content. Occasionally, I'll do special initiatives where I'll do daily content. So right now in the month of February, when we're recording this podcast, I'm doing a daily, a short daily YouTube video just because I wanted to do this sprint to challenge myself to try and build my YouTube traffic. Uh, But my main rhythm is weekly. Do you focus on any SEO or are you just creating content and just focusing on your email list? Just creating content and focusing on the email list. My approach to SEO has always been uh, the natural approach. Just write stuff that people want to read. Give it titles that uh, people are probably searching for. So, uh, you know, call it uh, what's the difference between present perfect and past perfect. That's something someone might type into a search engine. Don't call it a daily grammar video number five or something like that, right? (laughs) So um, that's the approach I take. And it's my organic traffic is really high. So it's worked quite well for me. Okay, great. Oh, let's talk about pre-selling your information products. You talked a a bit earlier about how you pre-sell some of your products, but I'd like to get just a little bit more in detail about your pre-selling strategy. Yeah, sure. So I love and highly recommend pre-selling for a couple of reasons. One is that it validates the product. So if people pay for it, then you're sure that they actually want it. If nobody buys it, if you put up a sales page and you ask people to buy and nobody buys it, then you know you've got a problem. You're trying to produce something that nobody wants. It also gives you a heck of a lot of motivation to get the product done because sometimes mm-hmm. when creating products, we can be perfectionists and we spend six months, a year kind of tinkering with the product and tweaking it and perfecting it. When you pre-sell you should always communicate to your customers the timeline for delivery. So we see this in info products. So that's why I told people, okay, you're going to receive one lesson per day starting August 1st, uh, and this will be the delivery timeline. You see this on Kickstarter. Kickstarter is another form of pre-selling, right? Mm -hmm. And it's important to clearly communicate the timeline for delivery. And when you do that, you can't procrastinate. You've (laughs) got to get things done. And so it's the best uh, motivation hack I've also seen. Um, But I think it works very very well for for information products you do need to clear your calendar when you're going to deliver it because especially if you've never done it before you're not sure how long it's going to take you to create each lesson or create each page of of your ebook and so it's important that that becomes your number one priority after you've gotten people who paid for it and they're expecting you to deliver by a certain date i like it great tips Okay, another thing I want to touch on, Shana, is the mentality that we entrepreneurs sometimes have to go through with the mental and emotional ups and downs. And so recently, a mutual friend of ours created a a post about feeling like a fraud as an entrepreneur. A fraud just like, I haven't quite made it yet, but I want to hang out with these entrepreneurs on this level, but sometimes I don't feel it. Like I'm as good as them quite yet. So, and you replied to the post and I just kind of wanted to touch base a little bit more about those experiences that we have as entrepreneurs, because I know myself, like there's that quote that says, fake it till you make it. But then also there's people out there that say, well, you need to be an authentic entrepreneur in order to be successful. So it's kind of mixed messages that we're getting there. And it, when you're bootstrapping and when you're just starting out on the entrepreneurial journey, there's a lot of times where you're like, man, I don't know if I'm actually an entrepreneur or if I'm 
really ever going to make it. You know, those feelings of being fraudulent come up. I'd like to get your take on that, Shana, and maybe some of the experiences you've had with that and how you've overcome those thoughts and mentalities. Well, it's interesting because now that I think about it, there was a time when I felt a bit insecure about my business which I overcame. And that is when I was producing these courses. Um, I mean, they were very simple. I mean, we're talking like homemade PowerPoint with a voiceover. I mean, not like studio level production quality. And for a long time, I still struggle with this. For a long time, I thought, oh, these aren't really good. Why would anyone pay for this? It's just kind of like, you know, cobbled together. And I never felt like the lessons were quite as good as they could be. And, um, People were buying them, but what helped me get over that was actually getting the feedback from my customers. So all of this thinking that this is this product isn't good enough, it's mostly in my own head, right? It's from my perspective as the product creator. Once I started, I kind of got over myself and asked for feedback from my actual customers, I got 99% positive feedback. I got people telling me that my courses had helped them um, reduce their accent and that they loved my teaching and, and they didn't want the course to end. And so that was kind of a reality check because my perception of the situation, which was that my product was imperfect and uh, you know still really needed a lot of improvement, was not the same as my customer's perception. And of course, I did get some suggestions for improvement and I've been working on um, making the courses better. But it kind of made me realize that I was getting uh, stuck in these negative thoughts of, of insecurity and feeling like my product was very, you know, just not good enough. I'd, I'd compare myself to other uh, online teachers and other programs and thinking that their lessons were way better and way more comprehensive and mine were just kind of, you know, crummy. Uh, but then when I actually got that feedback from my customers, it turns out that wasn't the case. Now, another bit of um, feeling like a fraud or feeling like, like I haven't made it yet is what I mentioned in the reply to that post, which is that I'm still a solopreneur. So uh, as we touched on earlier, I don't have a team. I don't have employees. And although a lot of my business is automated, it wouldn't run without me. So without me, um, you know, still producing this weekly content, without me responding to student emails, uh, there wouldn't be a business here. And sometimes, Sometimes I let myself, uh, you know, listen to other people say, well, you're not really a a business owner unless your business can be, you know, fully without you and you've got a team in place that can handle everything and, you know, you can you can take off for for six months and your business will still run. I'm like, okay, well, that may be a level that I reach someday, but that's not where I am right now. And I'm learning to be okay with where I am right now, which is um, which is, I mean, you know, four years ago, if you had told me I would be here, I would be thrilled. So I'm, <laughs> I'm learning to, uh, I understand that, you know, the level of having a team and having things fully automated, being able to hand off everything, I can get there if I, if I would like to pursue that, but I don't need to be there right now. So that's what's helping me deal with that, um, with those feelings. It's just kind of like the concept, the grass is always greener on the other side. And we never really truly know what's happening with another entrepreneur or business person as they grow their business and the thoughts that they're having in their mind. Because uh, one of the replies on that post was from a, a pretty successful entrepreneur that sold his business, his software business for 
a few million. And he was saying that he still has those thoughts come up. And he went to a conference and he was with a lot of entrepreneurs that are on a level higher than him. And he felt insignificant and fraudulent just as being there and there at the conference. And so I think it's just part of our growth, right? I think it's one of those things that we have to continually hone our art as entrepreneurs in order to be more and more successful and grow. And I think some of it is also realizing that um, it's not a race and it's not a competition. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs have fairly competitive personalities. I mean, that's kind of what gets us going and, and gets us motivated to, uh, you know, to build the businesses and to make, you know, to create an edge, to have our product be better than everybody else's product. But then the downside of that is when you start comparing yourself to other people um, and feeling inferior or, I mean, I used to do this all the time because my first launch had 18 students, I would see these case studies of people who their first launch was five figures or six figures. And I would be like, Oh, that means mine's not going anywhere. But um, another entrepreneur told me it's important just to compare yourself now to yourself six months ago or a year ago. Don't be comparing yourself to other people. They've got totally different businesses, totally different personality situations. So it's really not an apples to apples comparison. So if you're going to compete with anybody, it should just be to better yourself and your own business. And so that's another good thing to keep in mind when those feelings strike. Yeah. And another thing is you never know how many people are looking up to you and feeling insignificant because of the success that you've already created. Right. And, and so there's always another level, you know, and it always can go deeper and deeper. One of the things that I do whenever I'm feeling down, um, and, and just thinking, man, I haven't made it to this level as an entrepreneur yet. What's wrong with me? Da, 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 da. But then I think about, you know, like you said, yourself five or 10 years ago, but also the entrepreneurs that may be out there that may be looking at me thinking, man, I wish I was on Chris's level. And so that kind of keeps me motivated to keep going to just know that it's all a perception on how we really look at things. So I'm curious, Shana, maybe you could give some more details of like, say you're in a low spot as your, your business may be doing really well, but mentally you're in a low spot as an entrepreneur and you're just like, man, I haven't made it at this level yet. And you're, you're really in that struggle. What are some suggestions that you could give the listeners on how to maybe move out of that? Um, well, the two things that have helped me kind of paradoxically, one is really sinking my teeth into a new project, something I'm excited about. Mm. Um, so that could be creating a new course for me. That's usually what it is. Mm. Um, but, uh, that kind of gets your thoughts moving in a different direction. You don't really have time to dwell on those feelings of inferiority because you're so excited about this new project and you're, you're pushing to get it done and everything. So sometimes it's it's because I, I, I'm kind of at a, I don't know, in a rut with my business and I need a big, ambitious, interesting, exciting new project to kind of um, dig into. The other thing, paradoxically, is actually taking some time a little bit away uh, from the business maintaining it minimally and first of all getting out and enjoying life right because sometimes mm -hmm. we get so wrapped up in our businesses that we forget to enjoy the the fruits of our labor and um just being 
practicing gratitude and being grateful for the fact that I do have a business where I can um, step away and, and have sales still coming in and I can travel and just focusing on all those uh, benefits uh, that my current business has. So that's kind of two opposite ends of, of the spectrum, you know, either diving into a, a big new project or stepping away a little bit, you know, temporarily, you don't want to step away for, you know, five years, your business is going to die. But, uh, you know, <laughs> taking taking a month to just uh, enjoy where you're at can also help you come back to things with a little bit of a fresher and more positive outlook. Incredible. Shana, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners today? You know, my main business is teaching English, but I also love talking about business and entrepreneurship. However, I can't really do that on my English teaching blog because it wouldn't <laughs> fit. So uh, I actually do have a podcast as well where I'm uh, sharing some of those, I guess, behind the scenes, some of the things like we've talked about today, whether strategies or tactics or mindsets, and mm -hmm. it's called Entrepreneurs in Motion. And the idea behind this is I noticed there are a lot of podcasts for beginners, like find your first business idea, start your first blog. And then there are a lot of podcasts that focus on really high level, you know, so-and-so made seven figures, you know, here's what they're talking about, you know, six figure this. And I kind of wanted to get the people in the middle. This actually ties right into what we were talking about. People who they've got a business, they're running their business, but they're still right like in the weeds of figuring everything out and growing it to the point where they really want it. So they feel like they haven't made it yet. And so, I mean, I'm still somewhat in that phase uh, myself. And so the podcast really aims to deal with the topics right in that middle phase between, you know, having started but not yet maybe feeling like you've made it. I like it. Very cool. Entrepreneurs in Motion podcast. We'll put the link in the show notes. If anybody wants to reach out to you, Shana, where could they find you at? Um, I'd say contact me through Entrepreneurs in Motion. I'm also on Twitter at Entrep in Motion. Um, <laughs> it's a little too long for the Twitter <laughs> handle. Uh, but that's the best place to get in touch with me to talk business. And I'm, I'm always happy to give people tips and connect with other info product creators, especially. Shannon, we want to give you a big thank you for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and tips and tricks and tactics. Thank you very much. Listeners, thank you for tuning into the show once again. And we're going to wrap up there and see you all on the next podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in have some questions, be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.